Two years ago, we commemorated the 500th anniversary of the start of the Lutheran Reformation. One of the products of that commemoration was this book, From Conflict to Communion, Lutheran Catholic Common Commemoration of the Reformation in 2017. This was published by the Reformed Church. If you can explain why they published our thing with the Catholic Church, then you are much smarter than me. But this book does two things that I think are really helpful. The first thing it does is it has a setting for a joint Lutheran-Catholic prayer service. So if you were here in February when we had our event with St. Elizabeth's, the language we used was all drawn from this book, which is good because it means you don't have to start from scratch and volley emails up and down Wyckoff Avenue. The second nice thing it does is it has a list of five ecumenical imperatives And these are basically five principles that should guide our work with the Catholic Church and with other communities of faith. And last year, I talked about number one, which is Lutherans and Catholics should always begin from the perspective of unity. This year, we're going to talk about number two. Next year, we'll do number three. And we should finish all five in 2022. So by the time we get to the end, not only can you say you learned something about ecumenical work, you also survived a sermon series that lasted five years. Good for you. So ecumenical imperative number two. Lutherans and Catholics must let themselves be continuously transformed by the encounter with the other and by the mutual witness of faith. So the most important phrases in that are continual transformation and mutual witness. When we engage in mission, when we live out our vocations, when we work in partnership, we always expect to be changed in some way. We expect other people have something to offer us or teach us or share with us. So we don't simply witness to them, they also witness to us. Now this sounds easy, but it's actually very difficult for us to do. So often when we engage with people of different denominations, different faiths, different backgrounds, we do it not from a posture of curiosity or interest, but from a posture of anxiety. Now sometimes anxiety can be a good thing. When we enter someone else's house of worship or engage their community, we're often anxious about whether we're going to accidentally offend them or do the wrong thing. Do you have to take your shoes off? Do you have to cover your head? Do you have to genuflect? That's all perfectly normal, healthy anxiety. The problem is when we become anxious that we are going to be changed in some way by this encounter. We become afraid that other people are going to have some kind of effect on us. They're going to change us. It might mean changing our stereotypes. It might mean changing our perspective on things. It might mean changing our sense of who we are as people. And that change never comes easily for us. So at its heart, this idea of continual transformation and mutual witness is really a question of where you center power in our institutions. So often our mental model of church is that we have been entrusted with the gospel and that other people need to come and get it from us. So they can come here Saturdays at 5 or Sundays at 9.30, or we can go to them whenever it's convenient for us. It's really never convenient for us, so preferably they should come here. 
And if that's the way you locate power, if you think the traditions and norms of the church are the center of God's activity, then transformation is always going to be a bad thing. Because any transformation is always going to be a slide away from the real, pure thing that we were given. And if you think the center of God's power is in our way of doing church, then mutual witness isn't possible either. You can tell other people about God, but what do they have to tell you about God? Now, for as long as there have been Christians in the West, this has been our default way of doing things. A few decades before Luther posted his 95 Theses, the year 1493 to be exact, Pope Alexander VI issued a papal bull called Interkaitera. Has anyone heard of Interkaitera before? No, this is good. The Spanish and Portuguese empires were fighting over who would control the New World, and so they went to the Pope and said, why don't you decide for us who should control this? And so Alexander drew a line that went right down the middle and said, Spanish on this side, Portuguese on this side. And in the bull, Alexander writes, quote, We make a point and deputize you and your said heirs and successors, he's talking to the Europeans here, lords of them, the native people, with full and free power, authority, and jurisdiction of every kind. So in addition to justifying slavery, paving the way for genocide, the bull also advanced a deeply backwards view of what it means to be in mission. The mission involves having power over other people. It involves bringing God to people. Where is the power located? The power is in Europe, in their church, and it's brought to the Americas on ships to be enforced top-down on other people who are recipients. Now, there's no room here for continual transformation. The goal is to change natives, not to change you. And there's no space here for mutual witness. What do these natives have to teach you about anything? They wouldn't know about God at all if it weren't for you. And that's a rather extreme example of this kind of theology, but we still use versions of this today. Ways of locating God's power and activity exclusively in our own institutions, traditions, and practices. Sometimes we do it by thinking that our way of doing things is divinely ordained. As if when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, he got two sets of tablets and a Lutheran hymnal, the green one, not the red one. <laughs> Sometimes we do it by making the institution the primary thing. It's revealing when we describe people as being unchurched, as if there's something magical about showing up to a building every few weeks. We never talk about people being hospitaled or libraried or community-centered. We talk about people being unchurched all the time. In other times, we do it by defining ourselves over and against other, inst other institutions and traditions. Who among us, when someone has, has asked us what Lutherans believe, hasn't surveyed a vast 500-year landscape of rich and varied theological tradition, full of people responding to God's grace in innovative and faithful ways, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Paul Tillich, Susan Briel, and summed up the whole thing as, not Catholic. Got him. 
I've said this before, so you can ignore this if you already know it. You can actually ignore this whole thing if you want. But the Lutheran expression of the Christian faith is really about three things. Number one, law and gospel, which means God speaks to us in commands and promises. Vocation, which means God empowers us to serve one another. And the theology of the cross, which means that God is present with us even in our suffering. Law and gospel, vocation, theology of the cross, that's pretty much it. And what do you notice about those three things? Well, they're all about God. They're not about us. They're about how God speaks to us. They're about where God shows up. They're about how God uses us for the sake of our neighbors. And because they're about God's actions, they don't depend primarily on our actions. So to get back to our imperative here, where is the center of power? It's not in the church. It's not in our tradition. It's not in our way of doing things. It's with God. Who brings us to faith? God does. Who makes the church one holy Catholic and apostolic? God does. Who empowers us to serve other people the way God serves us? God does. So our job is not to bring God into the world. Our job is not to bring God to the Gentiles, 65, the Aztecs, 1493, the West, 1810, or Patterson, 2019. Our calling is to catch up to where God is already present in the world, bringing healing and wholeness and redemption. Now, hopefully, that realization should be liberating for us the way it was for the first generation of reformers. When we make God the center of power, we see other people don't water down our faith. They actually enrich it. And when we're transformed by encounters with new cultures and traditions and practices, it means we're not leaving God behind. It means we're coming closer to where God is. And that means that mutual witness is possible, too. Because I'm not closer to God than anybody else is. Everyone I meet has something to teach me about what God has done and continues to do in the world. And here's the fun part of this. This is the bank shot. What allows us to live this way? What allows us to be continually transformed and engage in mutual witness? Well, it's our faith. So this is not some all religions believe the same thing, so why bother with any of them hippy-dippy stuff? You don't have to be less Lutheran, less Christian, less you to engage the world in a faithful way. In fact, that faith is what allows you to engage the world as an equal, a participant in it. You don't need to leave your beliefs at the door whenever you go somewhere new. What the world needs is not more Lutherans who are less Lutheran. What it needs is more Lutherans who see their faith not as something to be protected and put under glass, but as something that's always emerging and being perfected in every encounter we have. So what does that mean for us? Let me give you some ideas here. Number one, go down the street to St. Elizabeth's and ask Father Stephen to teach you about how to pray. Ask him about the examine, which is a Jesuit way of praying. Catholics have tons to teach us about prayer. 
Or go to Nash and Drash at Beth Rishon with Reb Benny and learn how to read a text like a rabbi. It's not the way I do it, but his way is way more fun. Or go to Friday prayers at El Zarah in Midland Park, because their hospitality will teach you more about table fellowship of the Eucharist than any class that I can teach you. Or if you're feeling really adventurous, they didn't like this one last night, I'll see if you guys like it. Find someone who's been completely turned off by the concept of faith and just listen to their experience. Don't talk back. Don't try to explain things. Just listen. Is that going to be comfortable? No, it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. But it's going to help you realize some things that you often take for granted. Because Lutherans and Catholics must let themselves be continuously transformed by the encounter with the other and by the mutual witness of faith. Because when we encounter the other, we find there actually is no other. Only us and only God between us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.